Your son made some mistakes. He fell in with bad people. But he was never like them. Not really. He had a good heart. One more thing. You won't have to worry about the Salamancas. Their day is coming. There'll be justice. Justice? I'm sorry, my Spanish judicia, justice. What you talk about is not justice. What you talk of is revenge. is gone. And we are back, back again. Um, this is the Popcorn for Dinner podcast. My name is James and I'm joined by my good friend, Ibibi. How's it going, Ibibi? Pretty good. Um, not really time for funding. No, no, not a lot of time for funding games around here, but uh, we're doing okay. Really, that's that's <laughs> that's a really, really just amazing segue <laughs> into the into what we're talking about today, bro. It is so hot over here, man. I can't. Even it's think pretty crazy over here too. It's uh, we actually even got a heat warning from the from the weather oh, service. Yeah, it's like um, it, they said it would feel like upper thirties and degrees Celsius, which is like. For everybody in the United States, it's maybe like upwards of 100 degrees, 100 and doesn't matter, man. Fahrenheit <laughs> is the most Fahrenheit is the most idiotic. Metrics I don't know why they choose it. It's... Scale I've ever heard in my life. It's just so, and that's yeah, and that's my that's my weather my my, my weather um, rants done. But it's so dark. I don't know why they feel the need just, to do that. Fahrenheit We're talking like 90 degrees, but yeah, they but could, they just choose to, to, to make it that just, way for, it's just, it's just for vibes, no reason, but just, just choosing what they want and, and going along with it. But, um, yeah, it's gone up to like forties and like today it kind of drizzled mm-hmm. a little bit down in the Southwest of the United Kingdom. And like, I went outside, I was like, oh, I've never been so happy to see rain in my life. And I went outside <laughs> and it was hot rain. Hot rain. It was hot. What rain. is this biblical times? And I was like, I've never, <laughs> I've never, I've never felt hot rain in my life. So I ran back inside and I was just like, Christ, my goodness, this world is literally, um, literally going to shit. But as you said, no fun in games, man. Today we'll be talking about Better Call Saul, one of like the best TV shows right now, out right now. Um, season six, episode nine. The title of the show is called Fun in Games. Fun and games. There we go. <laughs> and it is, it's brutal. But before that, before we get into the episode, please guys, don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to re- you know rate us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to leave a comment or leave some hate in our DMs. We appreciate everything. Leave some feedback. If you've got any suggestions, let us know. We're popcorn for dinner at every single social media platform let us know how you feel about some episodes if you've got any ideas for any episodes or anything you want to talk about give us a shout and um yeah rate review subscribe we're also on youtube as well so if you want to see our you know sweaty faces then go on youtube but yeah enough of that let's get into the episode fun and games directed by michael morrison written 
by Anne Sherkis. First question, what did you think about the episode, everybody? I thought it was a really great illustration of what it means to try and move on. I thought it was very well written. I thought the themes were very sound. I thought that the pacing was great, actually, because what we're really witnessing, which is, I think, I think that's something we realize at the end, what we're witnessing is the development of a mindset, the progression of guilt and the stages of grief. And we're seeing how Kim and Jimmy are dealing with this differently. But I think, I mean, at first I thought this was like a, an episode focused on Gustavo. Then I thought maybe it was focused on Mike a little bit. But then really we see how all these things are building up to open our minds towards specific ideas that actually relate to Kim and what she's feeling. We look at how people yeah. um, take accountability for actions. There's a lot of accountability in this episode. We see Gus yeah. dodge it. We see Mike embrace it. Um, not yeah. to much avail. I literally have on here consequences of actions and confronting hard yeah. truths um, with featuring Mike, Jimmy, yeah. and Kim. <laughs> and Jimmy tries to, That's exactly he tries to compartmentalize. He tries to sort of gloss over. He's kind of a fake it till you make it guy. But Kim really yeah. is very hard on herself. She always has been. So I think she takes things a bit differently, especially when she confesses to Jimmy how she feels she may have had a hand in this. And it didn't even occur to me up until this point how, you know, that idea of she knew that this guy was alive um, could actually have influenced all of this because it's all dominoes, right? Everything you do has some kind of consequence. That was crazy. Yeah, because if she had said something, they might that not have been crazy. there, right? So yeah, she prevented the crisis yeah, yeah. she was hoping to prevent by not telling him, but she created a whole new one, yeah. which ended up being worse for a lot of people, especially Howard and his grieving wife, who yeah. now will never really get closure. Yeah despite the fact that they weren't doing no. so well um, at the time that he died. Exactly. And it's it's just sort of like how one thing just leads to another and how everything, there's just a consequence for every action in the show. Yep. And it's just, I mean, it was quite brutal when Kim was confessing to Jimmy how she still loves him, how they still love each other, right? But, but so what? She <laughs> needs to go away from... But yeah. so what? Exactly. But so what? And how together they're just terrible for each other. And it's sort of mirrored exactly um what chuck mcgill jimmy's brother would have said in previous ep um, seasons on how everything that jimmy touches just messes up situations for everybody and everybody else gets hurt except jimmy it's always about jimmy it's always about jimmy but now it's soul now and i just see the whole kim and chuck just the whole that thing yeah. just just mirrored each other yeah, man we've so, been watching him so well of. done We've been seeing this, the the stages of him becoming Saul, but I think in this episode yeah. he finally becomes Saul, and we see what like really sends him yeah. over the edge. And I guess now we know what's happened because this is like the last thing. This is the last thing that he cares about. Truly. Yeah, the only humanity he has remaining. And <laughs> yeah, the only humanity he has left. Exactly. Thanks for that. And it's just gone. And I mean, what else is there for him to? for him to care about now. All he cares about is just, you know, making money and yeah. doing his sleazy type of law. It's, it's crazy so, because Jimmy is the type of person who, you know, he, he he's, he's been, we've seen how from the time he was a child, especially from, you know, when his dad would give away things to people and then they'd actually rob him. He sort of learned yeah. um, this really extended course in dodging accountability all of his life. 
So even when, so he, he spends yeah. a lot of time self-blaming, but he doesn't always feel mm -hmm. closure or peace with his actions until he has someone else to put that final piece of blame on. So it's almost as if he's always looking for justification. Yeah. So in this situation, it's like, yeah, he feels yeah. really bad and he still definitely feels bad even after he becomes Saul. But at the point where mm -hmm. Kim says what she says, pointing out that she knew, that's like, okay, well, if that's yeah, the case, yeah. then, you know, I have, I have nothing else. It's like, now it's, now it's almost as if he feels he has permission to leave all vestiges of good behind. And um, that's, that's the tragedy there because we see just the gaudiness of that house, which we're going to see how it gets ransacked later, I'm sure. But now we get to see the real yeah. state of that house. I don't think we ever got this much of a glimpse into it in Breaking Bad. Um, no, I don't think we did. It was just, it was just the office. Yeah, wasn't the it? office. I mean, we've seen, I, I guess, the outside of the house. But I mean, looking inside, all of that. You see the inflatable, yeah. the inflatable um, Statue of Liberty, yeah. don't we? You asked if you were bad for me. That's not it. We are bad for each other. Kim, don't do this. Kim, please. Jimmy, I have had the time of my life with you. But we are bad for everyone around us. Other people suffer because of us. Apart, we're okay, but together, we're poison. No, no, just tell me what I need to do to change, okay? Just tell me what it is and I'll do it. Jimmy. No, Kim, you make me happy. We make each other happy. How can that be bad? I love you. I love you too. But so what? I got a, I got a text message from one of our popcorn for dinner universe hosts Bunkley asked so we should talk about whether the girl that was on his bed was his girlfriend <laughs> or a prostitute definitely a prostitute um, definitely a prostitute she literally got paid money, didn't and he? he gave her a breakfast bar for the road so 100% a prostitute I'm not a big breakfast breakfast bar yeah I mean I think that actually even speaks that speaks to his um, feigned generosity because there's this, there's the generosity of the gesture yeah. of offering a breakfast bar, but a breakfast bar really isn't much. If he really wanted to give her something, they would have had a no. real breakfast and he wasn't even paying attention to her. Um, she actually reminded me of a no. lot of the person who helped them with the Howard scam, the person he kicked out of the car. I want, I wondered if right, it was the same right, person right. at first. Initially, I thought it was like the same person, but the yeah. faces look quite different. He was definitely a regular yeah. though. Because, I mean, the way she was acting... Was it's like a little bit of a time before. skip. I mean, we can even see um, that his hair has become the way it was in Salt, which is something I was wondering yeah, about. I was like, how did hair. he lose so much hair in Breaking Bad? Uh, <laughs> but like, yeah, I guess we're, we're now seeing that difference. So I'm, I'd be interested to know how much time has passed within those, like between that last scene with Kim and that final scene of the episode where we go through, you know, his morning routine as Saul. How did you feel about... Do I want to call it a time hop between those two scenes? I guess it sort of answers a lot of questions. I mean, last time we spoke, we talked about how there's so many things left to be addressed um, in these yeah. um, final episodes, and yet there isn't that much left to be addressed. It's almost as if. Do you feel like? Do you feel like as they're addressing it, it is addressing some? It's like solving one problem, some um, answering one problem, but like creating yeah, I mean, two other problems. Like as we're solving more. We're, we're sort of creating more questions. Yeah, yeah. For that, that's. I think that's what good writers do. You know, 
you you give yeah. you give people enough answers that they feel that their investment is paying off but then you create new questions mm-hmm. so they feel that there's an, a reason to continue investing um you know, I, yeah, I think that the writers of Severance, yeah. which, by the way, thanks to you guys, I did actually go and watch. I finished Severance; it was amazing, and um, <laughs> and oh, that's what that's yeah, definitely what I've, they were doing in the is, finale of that show. The writer of One Piece, Ichiro that, Oda, he yeah. does the same thing. He's always answering questions and then bringing in new things. So, so yeah, I think I know first. Yeah, that was I don't, oh, yeah. man, that is something else, man. I don't even. Know it was it was definitely something. I was. I I was so Sheesh. impressed. I, I was like, "Wow, this is what I've been watching." <laughs> some 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 good TV around, man. Some really For good sure. TV and around. It was that, I was, that was still unsuspecting. I would never have expected all that much from it. I mean, even with this Breaking Bad season, they said that they wrote it to feel like you know what was it fourteen? Better yeah. Call Saul. Yeah, Better Call Saul. They, yeah. they um they 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 tend to. I know they wanted it to feel like a continuous set of episodes, and then for reasons that we still don't quite understand, they had to like have that break in the middle. So I feel like yeah. if they really wanted to do it as a half season, they probably would have stopped at maybe last week's episode, which is the first one, because yeah. this feels like a whole new yeah. state of things since we have that time skip and everything. Because as we've been saying, all, all our questions have been answered. I mean, most of them anyway. We had we saw what happened to Nacho. We've seen what happened to Howard. Mm-hmm. And the only thing left was Kim. Mm-hmm. And literally, they're giving that to us right away. Right. So now the um have they given I mean they've, they've I given mean, us the, the all, general all we know idea. Is like, we know we know we don't necessarily know where idea. she's ended up, but we know the state of her relationship with Jimmy. Those are two different things. Right? As, that's why that was my yeah. next question is like, does it really matter where where she is right now? I feel like if, you know, if, if they chose working, not to tell us anything about where she is, we would still be fine because that has essentially given because because Kim is a supporting character and even though she's amazing to watch in the context of the greater narrative that serves to show us the progression of Jimmy to Saul, we've seen where she leaves. Mm-hmm. It's not enough closure for Kim fans. So I'm, I'm tempted to think because these writers are so creative that they have something for Kim to do that we're not expecting that influences something in Breaking Bad somehow that we're not really um, thinking of. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. I thought... I thought it was a one in a million chance that he'd come for us. I thought he would be caught if he did. And I told myself I was protecting you. But that's not the truth. The the real reason I didn't tell you was because I knew what you'd do. What would I do? You'd, You'd blame yourself. You'd fear for me. You'd want us to run and hide until you were sure I was safe. He would pull the plug on the scam and then... And then, uh, we'd break up. And I didn't want that. Because I was having too much fun. I think... I, I mean, we have four episodes left, so if I if I was betting man, I reckon she'd probably be back towards the end. Yeah, to towards the end. Yeah, but it's like I don't like if she's not back, that's fine with me. Yeah. I think like I don't want what I don't want is because like let's take it back to Breaking Bad. The way Jesse's, you know, Jesse's um, storyline ended was 
driving the car really quickly just to escape those fucking Nazi yeah. guys. And that was the end. So we're all left to sort of speculate on what happens next. And that was pretty fun. But like that El Camino movie comes out and did not do anything <laughs> for me at all. I heard so many, I heard that so many questions were still left unanswered after El Camino that I never even ended up watching it. I was like, I don't, I, wasn't, you know? I wasn't sure that I thought it was just going to like make me want more and not give me anything. <laughs> I was like, okay, let me. I, I figured out. I, I told myself I'll watch it after after um, Better Call Saul is done. So we'll see. Yeah, it did not answer any of my questions. So what? What I don't want is, I want either they he you know she comes back. I trust the writer. She she comes back. They resolve the storyline. There we go. Or she doesn't come back, and we're left speculating what happened mm-hmm. to Kim. Does really matter what happened to Kim, and. Gold and Gilligan are probably the sort of people who would be like, well, we're going to leave it to your imagination and just like, what are they like? Yeah, thank yeah, you. Boy. Right, like, it would be nice if I had some closure. To do, but. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But what I don't want is in two years, we're having a Kim movie. Oh my goodness. Kim, oh, Kim. That, I feel like that would be a bit Sequel excessive. Like, oh. but, but I keep, I, I keep thinking about yeah. the words that they've, that they've said. That the end of Better Call Saul season six will make you see Breaking Bad differently. So I'm kind of hinging yeah. on those words. Like everything I'm looking at is sort of filtered through that lens. It's like, okay, how is this serving the beginning of, of, of Breaking Bad? Are, is there going to be some overlap? I was actually even thinking at the end of this episode, Fun and Games, are, I are we think, now going to see yeah. parts of Breaking Bad that, like, are we now going to be in the Breaking Bad timeline seeing parts of the story that, yeah. that had to do with Saul that we didn't see? You know, things he was doing at the time. Right, I see. Because that's a good point because there have been sort of reports that Brian Cranston and the Jesse Pinkman character will be reprising their roles. Yeah, they're definitely going to be in there. I think they did an official announcement. They're gonna, definitely yeah. going to be in there. And actually, I have on here that Gord and Gilligan have said they're resolving everything. <laughs> and there's like no room for ambiguity. So I think we might, I think we'll definitely see Kim somewhere. Good. Probably working in some school. <laughs> Or in a These guys definitely don't do ambiguity. You know, in the um, Howard Morrill mm-hmm. service, I hate chair, which is you know downsizing and you know pretty annoying because a lot of people to lose their jobs. Yep. But that scene with Cheryl, how Howard's wife, you know, they had like a really frosty relationship. Remember that coffee yep. scene where he made the whole coffee, then she just poured it into her flask, and it was just really. You sort of start, this is when you actually start feeling sorry for Howard and stuff, yep. right? Then, you know, she's looking for that closure, right? And it was sort of, you know, Jimmy tried to sort of play out that, you know, he was an addict and everything. Then Kim stepped in and she was a bit more ruthless about it. She was sort of like, if you had been a bit more attentive, you would have probably noticed. The gaslighting was just expert really gaslighted her man and i was just like this is you would have known you know like after seeing everything she said she goes yeah you know you were his wife you would have known maybe maybe what i saw wasn't anything and i'm just like wow kim just she's just so good at that (laughs) when she wants to lie she lies (laughs) we sort of have like a little foreshadowing on how um because mike was talking to gus asking how the lawyers were doing and he was like they've been well they've been even better than we thought talking to the police. So it sort of gives us a nice glimpse of how they've actually, you know, playing out their cover story and stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was pretty, it was sort of like opposite ends of the spectrum on how she was really cold 
in public to Howard's wife, Cheryl. Then later on, she's in tears with Jimmy saying she can't do this anymore. Yeah. Guilt. It was, yeah, it was just guilt, man. <laughs> what do you think about the, in the car park, that kiss that she gave to Jimmy? I think it was sort of um, a goodbye, especially since he was so confused about it. Yeah. At first I was like, you know, is this sort of a, another example of their specific brand of fun and games? You know, whenever they pull something off like mm-hmm. this, you know, they sort of seal it. It's like, there's this kind of, I don't know. It's kind of like a delimiting feature of their relationship where like they kind of, it's almost like a seal it with a kiss type of thing. Um, They tend to get a little bit physical every time they pull something off, but this was a little bit different because there was real, um, there there was a real sense of melancholy in here. And like she can, you could tell that she was sad. You could tell that she was going through something mentally and he was trying to understand it. You know, he was being, very optimistic he tends to be overly optimistic but it was a little bit different this time because he wasn't believing what he was saying and i think that's the the magic of of jimmy mcgill is he convinces himself to believe his lies um before anyone else is even able to try and listen to them that's how he tends to be able to sell his scams but kim you know she lives and breathes everything that she's that she's putting out you know she because and because she like jimmy has to go through a stage of um, of reconciliation with himself of what he's doing before he actually does it. Whereas Kim kind of makes a decision, she does it, and then she deals with the moral and emotional repercussions later. And I think in this case, those repercussions yeah, might be yeah. a bit much for her. So much that she's like, we are destroying the world. I need to go. <laughs> like, this is bad yeah. for everyone. I can't do this us. anymore. Somebody yeah. is going, like, I mean, yeah. the fact, I, I don't think they, 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 they never really thought about where those actions would go. They wanted to just ruin Howard's reputation. Vibes. Like it was literally vibes. But vibes. now he's have dead. fun. She literally yeah, said it. Family is destroyed. Yeah. People are losing their jobs because the company is going to be downsized and chopped and screwed, essentially. They're gonna move downtown. Yeah. I mean yeah. there is no HHM legacy. We heard Howard a few episodes ago um in the first half of the of the of the final season talking about HHM's legacy. He talked about his father, he talked about Chuck and he mm. was telling that guy about, you know, that he is the M in HHM. And, you know, you mm-hmm. can tell that Howard still somewhat, because he takes the job so seriously, even when he's being kind of a knob, you know, he is very concerned <laughs> with HHM's legacy, with his father's legacy, with Chuck's yeah. legacy, even more so than he his own. He cares for the, for the yeah, company. And he cares for the yeah. clients. But now there's nothing. I mean, now we understand why in Breaking Bad, we never hear about HHM that is clearly so integral to the lives of quite a few characters in the show. And now we understand why yeah, that yeah. history is somewhat erased or swept under the rug because, you know, those names aren't there anymore. There's something that's that, that's always said. Um, I don't know where, I forget exactly where it's from, but it's like you live only as long as the people who remember you. As soon as, as, soon as people right, stop yeah. saying your name, then you've truly died. Preach, man. Right. So, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's it's kind of sad to see because I know a lot of people's lives are going to be changed. And I think that's what's weighing the most on Kim because they didn't just ruin Howard. They ruined, you know, at least a few hundred people. <laughs> a lot of people. And it's just like, can she live with that? And as you see, probably not. Yeah. Probably not. Um, let's talk about wine. 
you wine guy. Yes, actually, I try to. I try to. I try to in, <laughs> to indulge in in a, in a, as, as, in as cultured of a way as I can whenever I can. Um, I try. I, it, a connoisseur. I try yeah. to be a connoisseur. Just I'm like, well, it's if it's going to be there, I might as well understand whatever I'm like consuming, and it's like this. Um, you know, the dry scale, the sweet scale, and it's just interesting to see what people are able to do. Wow. And I mean, depending I just, on the colors, you know, I just. Chuck it in my mouth. That's a good way to go as well. <laughs> I think that's that's, that, that's what yeah, the manufacturers that's really, intended. I think now I, I I know like I don't really know the difference between like elite wine and good wine, but I know the difference between like really bad wine. You will definitely and feel it. Not bad and it's, wine. And it's, I think what people uh, fail to realize is, is it's not always about price point. A specifically expensive no. dry red wine is not necessarily going to be more expensive than something moderately priced. There's a lot that goes into that kind of stuff. Age is a big factor, though. I'll, I'll say yeah. that. So what that dude who was so enthusiastic about wine, what's his name, David, was telling Gus, geez, David, I mean, yeah. he wasn't just selling that wine. He was living and breathing that stuff. You could tell, like, his life is literally yeah. work and wine. That's what I it guess is, that's what it? it is. You go you go backpacking and then you develop a love for wine. You come back to New Mexico and that becomes <laughs> your life. So, so Gus, Gus won. Basically, Gus for now. Won. I don't. I don't know if something nah, else is going to come and threaten him, <laughs> but definitely Hector Salamanca seems to have been neutered for the time being. It seems if if you told me this was being, the closure yeah. of the, you know, the Lalo situation and everything is fine for us, I guess I would believe you. Um, I, I sometimes wonder why at the end of Breaking Bad he killed Juan Bolsa, because you know Bolsa did not necessarily seem to be in a state of animosity with Gus. I, I sometimes wonder maybe he killed him just because, well, I have to kill this guy too because why leave him alive, you know, because he's connected to yeah. everything. Just take out take out the possibility, Essentially, yeah. yeah, but because I didn't really think that they disliked each other. But, you know, maybe Gus does have a bone to pick with Bolsa as well since sort of, since he's been, you know, sent there to be his handler despite everything. I think there's like a yeah. subtle hint of, you know, prejudice there. Like they call him the chicken man and everything. Probably because of the chicken, he's yeah, not one of he's them. Yeah, because he's like the only non-Mexican, yeah, isn't like he? The fact that he's black, he's from the it's south. It's just like it's it's a lot of stuff, yeah. and plus he probably has like just like you mentioned animosity against because he killed his partner, didn't they? Yes, um, but, you see that in the Breaking yeah, Bad. Yeah, Don, Don, that's why he hates flashbacks. Don Eladio because I mean they essentially had to rip off and Don Eladio Hector. a little bit to get his attention to get that meeting. And then he gives them what they wanted. Yeah. But then he's like, because you ripped me off to get here, I'm actually going to kill one of you. And Hector Salamanca is the one who pulled that trigger. That's why he has a special bone to pick yeah. with Hector because he laughed and he enjoyed that. And he watches his partner's yeah, blood yeah. drain into that pool. I mean, he looked into that pool again today. Like, it's not just a, a, um, a situation of reflection. It's yeah. That's why he he's so reverent of that pool whenever he's in that place because he remembers. He thinks about it every moment. Tough memory. So, which, which reminds me, um, which leads me to the, to the wine, goes into the bar. So, I'm guessing that him and David probably had some kind of relationship. Potentially. Yeah. Potentially. Potentially, I, it 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 crossed my mind. Um, I wondered if there was something there. I wondered if it was just sort of a friendship or if it was, was it a romantic, romantic thing or, was it just or if it was a partnership of some sort. Yeah. Maybe they were in business at one point. Yeah. Maybe Gus's um, 
sort of an investor in that place. Or maybe he's just, you know, one of the resident rich guys of town that just frequents a place like that. Yeah. Um, it could be all kinds of things. I mean, I even the way he was dressed was different. I mean, he was wearing his suit, but he was wearing like a V-neck t-shirt inside. It was, dre- it was very was chill. We've never really seen him like that. That's how I dress Friday yeah. nights and stuff. It looked like, I mean, we've seen what <laughs> Gus looks like when he's going to just chill, which isn't something we really see a lot. I, I mean, he didn't stay long. I am kind of wondering what the real no. purpose of that scene was, like why he went there, but maybe that's something that will become clearer later. Or maybe it was just uh, yeah, it was, there to give us a glimpse of chilling. what he's like when he's trying to chill, but then remembers, oh, I can't chill because I have people to take vengeance on, and then he leaves. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like, I stack, I still have some people on my list that I need to take up. Yep. <laughs> yep. But it's pretty, I mean, he sort of goes, because um, I had that conversation with Mike at the start of the episode, mm. and it's like, there's this idea of Gus Fring as corporate, um, Sort of corporate, yeah, man as corporation for sure to the plan, man as corporation all the time. And it's like, because you can see that Mike will get to Mike later, but Mike is definitely still grieving and sort of trying to f- come to terms of what the fuck just happened. Plus, Nacho is still um, weighing on him and everything. Then Gus is sort of like, we need to, you know, carry on with this meth yeah. lab. How soon can construction resume? And Mike is just like, Bro, <laughs> Mike is like, bro, come on, <laughs> come on, man. Like, and it's just like we need to keep it going. And it's like this guy is fucking ruthless. <laughs> it's a lot for sure. Doesn't wait for nobody, man. It's yeah, that was pretty. That was pretty interesting. But uh, yeah, man, Goss one for now, and it's pretty. It's quite because I was just looking. I was watching a previous episode of um, Hector when he wasn't. Um, in a wheelchair and everything, and he was a really good actor. And it's just so evil how Gus, he didn't kill him. He put him in a, I mean, was it vegetative state? So basically. And he didn't even let so it improve. He's like, oh, on. he's alive. I was like, no, we can, no, we can, we can actually fix alive. him more. No, 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 it's cool. As long as his brain is no, still no, no, working. Just, and it, <laughs> that is a special kind of, yeah, <laughs> special kind of evil, man. It's just like, you want this guy to be completely disabled for the rest of his life just for you to gloat in him and yeah pretty Gus man what a guy but Mike Mike, where do you think he goes from here I don't know I feel because everyone everyone is still there's still some kind of because Mike has seen it all let's just talk about Mike in this episode I don't know what to say because the death of Nacho is still weighing heavily on him and we spoke about how Jimmy has lost everything that um, he cares about. And I say the same thing about Mike in this, you know, criminal enterprise, because Mike obviously still has his like sister-in-law yes. and his um, granddaughter as yeah. well. But in this sort of criminal underworld, I guess him and Nacho were the only two people who genuinely kind of liked each other. It was a mutual respect. I think Mike, Mike wanted to be able to... Respect, he couldn't, yeah. There was a young man, you know, his own son that he couldn't save before. And here is a yeah. young man now who wants to be saved, you know, maybe has a chance to get out. But Gus just wasn't willing to protect him as much as he could have. Gus probably could have protected him a bit more. No. But he chose not to. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons Mike is so iffy about Gus these days. Yeah. We see the signs. And we see the episode, like, bro, the whole part, um, paternal, that, that paternal vibe with Mike and, and Nacho, right? And it sort of relates to Mike going to Nacho's dad in this episode. 
and trying to give him that closure that he deserves, yeah. right? And saying, you know, we're going to take vengeance and there will be justice. Masha's <laughs> um, dad is just like, you guys are all the same. And not, sorry, justice. Yeah, like, you guys are and all it's the same. like, it's all the same. It's all vengeance. Yeah. It never ends. And it definitely, because it's all, it's all just senseless violence, man. And it definitely, you definitely remember like how, you know, the whole Mike and, um, Walter White, how, Mike actually eventually dies due to senseless, stupid violence from water. Gets me every and how time. Everything just. I'm still not okay with that. Just gets it's it's yeah that's because in, initially you know how um TV shows or movies you align yourself just naturally you align yourself with the protagonist of the first person you see right. Yeah. I think then was when I literally started hating water. <laughs> when he killed Mike for no reason. Yeah. That's when I was like, this guy is not... He's not our friend. It's <laughs> really terrible. He's not our friend. He's not my friend. And he needs to go ASAP. But yeah, man, I feel... I'm quite interested to see um, what happens to Mike these couple of... Um, these next couple of episodes. Mm-hmm. I guess he finds someone to complete the meth lab. Yeah, I wonder who. And I'm actually wondering about that. I wonder who. Because the crew that they got was was very specifically recruited for that. I mean, they knew the plans. They knew how long it would take. I don't know if they. I don't know where they would find anybody else that's specifically suited to do this exact thing. Yeah, and c- continuing where the previous guys left off. Yeah, I mean, like two of that crew, they're dead now. Yeah, Werner is dead. Um, and Lalo killed. Yeah, the I forget his name, but yeah. Oof! What an episode, man. This was like a. This, no fun and games, man. Really? This is because you, you literally just came out from the episode straight into this podcast. We're literally getting your raw emotions yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah. I I watched it literally <laughs> just a few minutes before coming in here. I wanted to, I wanted to be distraught, and as it turns out, I am. So very, uh, you have that face. You Thank that you, Gilligan and Gold. Like, <laughs> <laughs> You're like shit. Speaking of them, apparently the Mike character wasn't originally supposed to be in. Breaking Bad. Apparently, it was Mike was supposed to be a combination of well, Mike and Saul was supposed to be one character, mm-hmm. but apparently, Bob Odenkirk couldn't make filming on some day, so they had to write another character, which happened to be Mike. And it makes so much sense because it, it it creates some nuance. Because if 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 Jimmy and Mike were the same guy, then Jimmy is a completely different person who's capable of things that we now know him not to be capable of. Um, or at least not not in not initially, and you know Mike being so yeah. stoic, being so like he has this honor among thieves type of code. Um, yeah. Jimmy definitely has that too as Saul, but there's only so far somebody that's an actual lawyer can go. And now we see mm-hmm. we see that he pushes that with the whole like you know you look like a lawyer who guilty people hire type of thing. Now we see that he's literally like put that on his head. It's like yes, I am now hire me. So, so now, I mean, if he was, if he was doing the things that Mike does, I think it'd be a completely different thing and it would be very convoluted at most. Maybe he would be the type of person to hire specific people to do what Mike does. But I think there's a real opportunity in creating a character that we can follow in having someone like Mike just exist rather than having Jimmy contract every single thing. And Mike is an amazing character who we are honestly lucky to have in both shows. So lucky, man. He's such a good actor as well. Yeah. Gotta love Jonathan such Banks, a really man. Good actor. And it's like, that sort, of, that sort of person like that, 
you don't want to mess around with that person. Like anyone who's lived on for that long, just stay away. Which is why I'm extra gutted every time I remember that he dies from a weak bullet by freaking Walter White, fucking guy, man. I think the first time you watch, once you rewatch Breaking Bad, you just sort of have this massive. You just don't like the guy. I was like, go Walt. I hate Skylar. Um, I hate Hank. I find Marie hilarious. Marie, Walter White light. <laughs> but like once, once you rewatch it, you're like, this is, as we said, not my yeah. friend. <laughs> this whole thing is a degradation. And it's like, I guess that's like the brilliance of like the writers. It just makes, cause initially you thought, am I supposed to be rooting for this guy? I'm not rooting for this guy. I don't like this guy at all. I guess that's the beauty of anti, anti-heroes. Anti-heroes. There we go. Thanks for that. And they did it very well. I, I think they're just... I usually goof on Breaking Bad, but maybe Breaking Bad... Was yeah, because like, th- there's just something to be said about a show that shows you something new every time you rewatch it. Like, literally, it's a new experience every time. A lot of time you watch a show and you're kind of just rehashing things you've already seen. You're re-enjoying what you have enjoyed. And when a show can give yeah. you that and also give you new perspectives, things that were literally in front of you that you, but you just were not possibly capable of seeing because you didn't have certain pieces mm-hmm. of information that is just mm-hmm. that's that's a masterpiece creation right there like the show that does this the best yeah. is attack on titan because with every new season there's some there's a set of things that you learn that make certain things make more sense than they did before or maybe even confuse you then you go to the beginning of the show and you start watching again i'm telling you every single time i watch attack on titan Right from the beginning, I'm seeing things that were hidden from me in plain sight. Like the answers were always mm-hmm. in front of you. The writing of that show, like it's it's like nothing I've ever seen. Like the only show that does foreshadowing better is maybe One Piece. And um, Attack on Titan is is kind of crazy because it's asking so many philosophical questions, similar to what you know Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul do. I think where a show like Westworld is asking questions about the evolution of sin oh. and I mean, season, season one of Westworld is like, what do what would people do? Season one of Westworld is one of the yeah. best. It's like, what, what would people I've do ever... if they if they knew no one was watching? Season two is kind of like, what would they do if they if they could keep if they could stay in a state like that forever, or if people or if the chickens suddenly came home to roost? And season three is like, yeah. what if everything that you thought no one was seeing was not only being seen but used to control you? So all these different questions about how cognition works how morality works. Those are all interesting yeah, things. Yeah, it was asking some really interesting questions, especially season one. I think season one was... Season one was very good. Maybe it's, it's a slow burn. I really enjoy season two personally. But yeah, it's it's uh, it's a slow really? burn. I like, I, season two is like the least... I kind of like season two. I like I like good. how it was... I, I like how we, we got to see a little bit more behind the curtain of certain things in season two. I like how we got to see you know, who's actually in control, who has been in control unbeknownst to us and how control is being taken from them. And then I like season, one thing I like about season three, I mean, season three could have been a lot better. I think there's a lot of ways that they dropped the ball there, but um, it was interesting to really be fully immersed into the the real world. And now, you know, with season four having started, I think Westworld really getting back to um, its it's a really mm. specific brand of storytelling, and and I like what's what's happening there. You know, with with these philosophical questions, with what they're doing with specific characters representing certain themes, um, with the idea of agency. I think Better Call Saul has a different brand of asking these these sorts of questions, but you know, they make you wonder. Like, 
how far is too far? If I could take a question and use that to identify better call Saul, I'm breaking bad. I'd say that question would be, <laughs> how far is too far? And what do we do once we've gotten there? Just keep on going, man. In for a penny, in for a pound. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I guess that's, that's a brilliant way to wrap this up. Have you got any final thoughts on Better Call Saul season six episode? Seven? Yeah. It's just... Yeah, I wonder what will happen. Um, I wonder if there's anything that's going to happen that will break the Saul facade and bring out Jimmy in a way that we didn't see in in Breaking Bad. And it's because it's also making me wonder if there were certain moments of humanity that Saul had in Breaking Bad that were actually like little pieces of Jimmy that were just shining through. Even before that moment where he, right, where he explains right. like, listen, my name is actually Jimmy McGill. That one scene was actually so yeah. interesting because it's like the fourth wall was just broken and you could see just the curtain the whole, drop. His curtain is down, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I'm, I'm interested in that's, seeing all yeah, that. Yeah, that's pretty... I guess because um, Gordon Geller and I've said they want all resolutions, no ambiguity. So, I mean, they have a lot of... It's like, you know, sort of answering your question. There's also the Nebraska story of like, what the hell is happening there? We haven't even seen Nebraska in a yeah. while. So, and he's like, his cover has been busted. So what happens then? So, I mean, would they, would we see some black and white scenes, you know? So I guess that's something to look forward yeah. to. But yeah, this was Better Call Saul Fun and Games. Thank you, everybody, for coming through. My pleasure. Thank you for having me, as always. Thoughts. Um, yeah, guys, don't forget to review, rate, subscribe. Send us hate, send us love, However send us everything. Slide in our DMs. <laughs> Actually, don't send us hate. It's way too hot to be hate. Right? <laughs> it truly is. Yeah, it truly uh, is. It's so hot, man. I've, ugh, I like, I was literally walking down the road and I, and I just poured, I actually stopped and just poured water on my head. <laughs> and everyone was just like, they everyone just was just like, I understand. Like, yeah, bro, we Give get me it. that nod of like, I understand, man. <laughs> I understand, I understand. Oh my goodness. But yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> But yeah, this was a uh, this was better call Saul. Um, we'll see you guys next week. We'll be joined by British actress Lily James. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. Cannot wait for that. <laughs>